Well, good morning and Merry Christmas to you. Have you said the words Merry Christmas to anybody this morning? Okay, good. This is your opportunity. Look at the person next to you and say, Merry Christmas. Good. Did you enjoy our worship team this morning? Man, what a beautiful thing to just hear those voices sing some of those songs. So thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, worship team. Uh, there's another song uh, that we'll close out the service with that's very, very, very beautiful. Uh, but this morning, I want to just share a few things with you. Uh, we're going to take a break from the book of Mark until the first week in February, and then we'll pick back up there. Uh, so this will be a short Christmas sermon series uh, called Mary and Bright. And so we're going to talk about Mary here in just a second. Uh, but let me give you an update on where we are. Uh, we have raised $8,800 for our Finish the Project offering. Yeah, praise the Lord. That's awesome. So let's keep that going. I know some of you are going, Pastor Jeff, we were just waiting until Christmas. We wanted it to be Christmas for you guys. So uh, wait, give... It's next week, okay, just letting you guys know. Uh, so help us out, and uh, we'll continue to move forward with what God's called us to do over there. Also, how many of you are planners for next year? How many of you are already in 2024? Okay, all four of us. Uh, so this may not hit home like I thought it would. Uh, but this morning, I want you to think, because as you go into the new year, that's usually when we try to put together uh, our New Year's goals and some of those things like that. So here's what I would ask, because uh, we have kind of measured success at what Pooler Bible Church is. Uh, we want to make sure that you are a follower of Christ. If you have never placed your faith and trust in Christ, that's the beginning point. That's where everything starts. The next step after that is baptism, which is uh, the first act of obedience, of trusting the Lord and going public, letting your church family know that you are a follower of Christ. Another part of that is celebrating Lord's Supper, which we'll do at the end of the service this morning. Um, and then third, we want you to get in, to become members of Buller Bible Church. Go through our starting points class. Make sure that you are part of the church family. Next is joining a community group. Listen, the reason that we offer these is so that you can grow spiritually. Then ultimately, you being involved as a volunteer in our church, and then also that you would be a generous giver uh, to this church. And so that's measured success. Wherever you find yourself in that part of the process, I would challenge you next year, take the next step. Whether it's a starting points class, whether it's a... a, a, a volunteering and serving, whatever it is, I challenge you to kind of take that next step. And so this morning, we're going to look at a couple of passages of scripture, and we're going to talk about what it means to be merry for Christmas. Now, the interesting thing is when we look at this, we hear this word all the time, and it's become kind of a greeting for us. So after Thanksgiving, because we know we can't say it before Thanksgiving, we have to follow the rules here and say Merry Christmas after Thanksgiving is over. When we see somebody, we say, hey, Merry Christmas, good to see you. But then we close this down at the last Sunday in December. Now we say Happy New Year's. The interesting thing is part of this progression is that once New Year's is over, we go back to saying, hey, okay, so during this time, we get to say Merry Christmas, but what does Merry actually mean? And so here's the definition. I was reading an article that Meg Butcher put out, and I love her explanation of what it means to be Merry or what the definition is. It says, Merry is festively joyous. It's a cheerful disposition, laughing happily. Merry is the uninhibited joy released by God's grace and freedom flowing out of his forgiveness. It's the boisterous laughter seeping past exhaustion 
and the confetti of cares launched free in celebration of the light of life. Listen, do you, are you that merry this morning? Now listen, I know that it rained and I know that it was ugly as we were coming in this morning and I battled with this on my way in. Jeff, will you choose to be merry or will you choose to be grumpy this morning? The reality is I had to fight that on my commute in because I want to ask God, why do you let it rain on Sundays? Make it easy on your people to come to church. Now, the interesting thing is it doesn't affect me much because it doesn't mess up my hair, uh, but it's one of those things. When you think about being merry, I love this understanding. Queen Elizabeth II preferred saying, Happy Christmas. She kind of coined this term, and so it's a little bit weird for us because nobody in the Southern culture walks around and going, Happy Christmas. We think you're weird if you say that, right? So she actually put this together, and here's why she didn't want to say Mary. At a time when she was present, Mary meant extremely intoxicated, and it was the nice term for calling somebody a drunk. Let me use it in a sentence. Look at that Mary fellow over there. Okay, so this is the term that she wanted to get away from, but I think there's some truth in understanding what it means to be genuinely merry. Look, when you have been with Christ, when you have the joy that Christ gives you, they should look at us and go, something's wrong with them about how happy they are. They're so merry, they're so joyous. So listen, the truth is that Christmas can be an intoxicating happiness, something that is merry to us. So let me give you a few sounds that may make you merry during this Christmas time. The first is the voice of Pastor Jeff Hubbard. You guys are so much better than the first service. They didn't even get that. Next, so th that was just an add-on. Thank you, guys. That was my Christmas present from y'all. First one is this, sounds that make us merry. A crackling log on a fire. And just something peaceful about that. The other, it just, it just kind of calms us and makes us merry, right? The next is rain pattering on a tin roof. Now, I wrote this on Wednesday or Thursday of last week, not knowing that we would fully get to experience it this morning, but that's the sound that kind of brings merriness to us. Another sound that brings just merriness to us is a child laughing. Listen, a child's laugh is so intoxicating that you look at that child and go, you can't help but start laughing. For others, it's birds chirping. When you walk out in the morning and you hear birds chirping, you just think, man, the birds are merry. Why can't I be? Then this one is a little bit strange for us, but when I was reading through the article, I think that it may make sense for those of you that haven't grown up in the South but autumn leaves crunching beneath your feet. So we can translate that to us as pine straw crumpling underneath our feet as we walk. Okay? And then this one is one of my favorites, a bell at Christmas. And whether it's the Salvation Army bell or a bell that's in a Christmas, uh, a Christmas song or a Christmas movie, it just seems like we hear more bells ringing during the Christmas season, and it just kind of is background noise that brings merriness to us. The reality is that not all of us are merry. Not all of us are sharing that merriness with other people. And so here's a couple of the reasons why you may not so, be not so merry this morning. The first is this. Maybe you've run out of money and you haven't finished your Christmas list. 
right? That's one of those things that at this time of year, it points out that we are not as financially well as we want to be. Awkward family moments. Listen, some of you are getting ready to be around the family member that you have to tolerate for at least an hour a year, right? For some, it's loneliness. Christmas holidays reveal to us that families aren't always functional, and so the loneliness that comes with this is tough for us to deal with. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one, the first Christmas without somebody. It just kind of takes away our joy and takes away that merriness that we're supposed to have. So this morning, I want to dig into Scripture and give you a few reasons to be merry, and then we'll look at some things on how to be merry. So the first reason to be merry is for a promise that's kept. One of the things that's interesting about Scripture is that when we look at Scripture, we expect for promises to be kept. But sometimes we take those for granted, and we don't really look at those as something that brings us joy or merriness. So in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, we see the promise that we get to look back and see that has been fulfilled. On Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, the prophet says these words, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Now realize, he's speaking with King Ahaz, and as he's speaking with King Ahaz, he's giving him a genuine sign of what's to come. King Ahaz, if you know anything about him, was not a godly man. He was an evil king. He was notorious for not worshiping God. It's interesting that when his son took over after his uh, reign had ended, the first thing that he did was implement a time of worship because it had been so long since the people genuinely worshiped God. So you can imagine Isaiah's job was a difficult job as he was sharing this promise, this truth of who Jesus would be. Continues, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This term is meant God with us. Now, I look at this and I begin to think through what Isaiah was saying. And as he said these words, he was probably looking going, God, did I hear you correctly? Because this is an, an amazing understanding. Do you really want me to tell the people of God that your son will be born of a virgin? I can imagine King Ahaz kind of looking at this and laughing and scoffing, pulling all of his scientists together and saying, hey, how is this going to happen? Is this even medically possible? And every scientist going to the king and going, look, King Ahaz, I don't know what Isaiah's into, but it's not good. There's no way that this could possibly be fulfilled. Ahaz discounts king, or Isaiah when this was genuinely given as King Ahaz an opportunity to repent and turn towards the Lord. King Ahaz, like many, began to push back and kind of began to ostracize who this Isaiah was. Imagine hearing this. Child will be born of a virgin. How will this take place? It's interesting that when we hear a promise, and I don't know if you're like me, but we want to see it in the next 30 seconds take place. God, please promise something to me and do this to me, but do it where I get to see it. So imagine that this promise was fulfilled 700 years later. 
It's interesting because I was looking through and seeing what the longest promise that was kept, and I never could find anything. But it's interesting because 700 years seems like a really long time to wait on a promise. You imagine it going like this? Dad, will you come play with me? Sure. In 700 years. <laughs> really? How does this happen? So understand that in 700 years, the people that would see this event unfold, it would bring great joy and it would bring great merriness to their hearts. It's interesting that sometimes the longer that we wait for something, the more joy it brings us when it comes to fruition. Go to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 through 25 and we'll look at this promise being fulfilled. The birth of Christ. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Now understand the commitment that was here is that she had committed to marry Joseph. This was the act. This was uh, like being engaged. And he says before they came together. This is before they consummated the marriage. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. When you think about all of these events unfolding, we look back at the prophet Isaiah and we begin to see this promise now being fulfilled. He said, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Imagine Joseph in the midst of this thought that he would do the honorable thing. I don't want to embarrass Mary. I don't want to embarrass their family. I don't want to hurt her for the future. So I will divorce her quietly and put this away. Imagine being in Joseph's position at this time. It wasn't like Mary could go, hey, have you read the book of Isaiah? I'm pretty sure this is how it unfolded, and this is what's taking place before us. Joseph would know, being a Jewish man, understanding the lineage of Christ, understanding the things that would unfold, that the Messiah would come through the birth of a virgin. But he didn't think it would be his. He didn't think it would be his wife. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And I think this is really the only way that it would make sense to Joseph. Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Joseph woke from his sleep as he did, as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. And the truth is that Joseph, in the midst of this, had a choice to either be merry or to be grumpy. He chose to be merry in the midst of this. And listen, this was a battle that he had to face going back and forth because now he was going to raise God's son. It's interesting that we look at this scenario and we look for us and we say, man, there are so many reasons to be married. A promise has been fulfilled. This Jesus was born and ultimately he would take upon our sins. 
Another reason to be merry is this. His name means God with us. This term, Emmanuel, of God with us. And one of the most notorious verses that if nobody knows any verse, I promise you their one verse that they could hold on to would be John 3.16. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. One of the reasons that we have to be merry is that this Jesus was the Christ. He fulfilled that promise perfectly. He lived sinless. He lived on this earth. He was our flesh. It's interesting that the personal nature of God comes with this because he's no longer distant and far off. This is the guy that understood everything that we would go through. He lived on this earth and ultimately he died on the cross for our sins. He would take on our sins. I don't know about you, but this is a great reason to be merry this morning. He freed us from our sins. And listen, not only did he die upon the cross for those sins, he rose three days later, overcoming death, sitting at the right hand of the Father and interceding on our behalf. I tell you this morning, there's reasons to be merry this Christmas. So I ask you, are you merry this Christmas? Are you genuinely joyful because of what Christ has done? If not, follow these next steps on how to be merry. It's interesting because we have two different understandings. We have those that are merry and jolly and very happy. We have those that are very grumpy and a notorious figure that we use for this is the Grinch. When you look at his face, you don't see happy. You see grumpy and pain. Some of the words that describe him are Fuddy-duddy. Isn't that a great word? Never thought I'd use that in a sermon. Fuddy-duddy. A grouch. Malcontent. His behavior, the Grinch, liked quiet and preferred isolation. His central traits in the beginning consisted of these three things. Anger, loathing, and envy. Can I be real with you for just a second? Those same characteristics describe a lot of believers that I know. Man, they're grumpy. Look at them. They just came from church and they're mad at the world. Why are they so grumpy all the time? Why are they the Grinchy Christian? Now, the reality is that the Grinch had a legitimate problem. He was born with a heart two sizes too small. Listen, the reality is that we relate to this because we were born with a heart full of sin. It took us placing our faith and trust in Christ to fix our heart. Listen, the understanding is that we had the same problem that he did. So let me show you a a short three-minute video that will give us a little bit of an understanding of the decision that the Grinch had to make. What's that? Do you hear it? 
Now, when you think about the Grinch, his heart was fixed. His heart was repaired, and what changed? Everything changed. Now, even in the midst of him changing his heart, there were still obstacles. There were still difficulties. There were still things that could take away his merriness. But I hope you understand this morning that you have to choose to be merry. Look, you have to make that choice of what it means to genuinely be married. I think that some of us are in this exact same position with the Grinch. For so long, that scowl on your face and that grumpiness in your heart has exuded so much that people are wondering, does he know Christ? Does she know Christ? I tell you this morning that we should be married people. And so how do we do this? How do we accomplish this? There's a couple of, three, a couple of things, and then we'll close out the message. The first is this. Remember the reason for the season. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, And the angel of the Lord said to him, who talking to the shepherds in the fields, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Listen, the reality is that sometimes we get mixed messages at Christmas time. And so I would tell you, Christmas can't make you merry, but Christ can. The reality is that we have to understand that we, the reason for this season is the birth of Christ. Listen, I tell you, as parents and grandparents, make sure your children understand this season is more about Christ than anything else. Help them know what really took place baby who would change the world, this Jesus, this Messiah that would give us hope in salvation. Listen, just like the Grinch had a distraction immediately afterwards, we have many distractions that are trying to take our attention off of Christ. Shopping, finances, busyness, You may be rustling from one place to the other, Christmas party after Christmas party, and trying to figure out how we're going to see this person, how we're going to be with this person, how we're going to be around this person, all of the things that are taking place, when the reality is all those things can be pushed aside, and your joy can be complete in Christ. The next is, I would tell you, spend time with loved ones. Look, the reality is that isolation is not good for us. This could be biological family or church family. And listen, as a pause, church family, if you see somebody that doesn't have a place to go for Christmas, invite them into your household. Celebrate with them and bring them over for that joyous occasion and understand that we are made to fellowship together. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, not neglecting to meet together as as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Find someone who doesn't have a place to go and minister to them and welcome them into your family. And the last is this. Be grateful for what you have. It's interesting that because of commercialization and all of the things that take place around us for Christmas, it almost becomes this time of year to point out all of the things that we don't have. All of the things that we want, how limited our finances are, it becomes this reminder of that and we begin to get frustrated going, I wish I had this. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 
the verse says, giving thanks always. And for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a danger at this time of year that we try to find what we want so much and what it realize, we realize what we don't have. Don't place your focus on what you don't have, but stay focused on what God has blessed you with. The reality is that if we have Christ, everything else doesn't matter. That's the central understanding for us. Let me close with this thought. Now that you understand how to be merry, make the choice to be merry this Christmas. Doesn't I tell you, our job is to represent Christ, to live for Christ. And if we're not merry with the things that have taken place in our heart, it's hard for the outside world to see Christ in us. I would challenge you, don't be the Grinch this year. And so a little change on this phrase. When you say Merry Christmas or when you hear Merry Christmas, evaluate your heart to make sure that you are merry this Christmas. Don't let this just be a token phrase that you throw out, a common greeting, if you will. Let it evaluate. And when you say Merry Christmas, make sure the merriness of your heart is shared with the people that's around you would bow your heads and close your eyes just for a second. It's interesting because Christmas comes with a lot of baggage, a lot of tradition, a lot of busyness, a lot of things that we go through at Christmas. I want you to ask yourself just a simple question right now. If people around you were to describe you, would they describe you as somebody that's married because of Christ? Would they describe you as somebody that's a merry person? Somebody that's joyful, exuding with just this great atmosphere of love? Or would they describe you more as the Grinch? you our responsibility in Christ is to be the proper representation of who Christ is. Listen, I know that this time of year comes with a lot of difficult things. And listen, it's easy to slip into depression and anger and frustration. But we as the church of Christ, that should produce a merriness like nothing else. Dear Father, I come to you humbled and thankful for the way that you work in our hearts this morning. Lord, as we celebrate this Christmas, may our focus solely be on you as the Christ. Lord, thank you for the promise, not only the promise, but the promise fulfilled. Lord, thank you for giving me a reason to genuinely be merry. And may you be lifted up in the rest of this service. Christ precious and only name we pray. Amen. If everybody would stand as we worship to this last song, I would just challenge you as this song is being sang, sing the words with it, but also evaluate your heart and make sure that you are truly merry this Christmas.